Welcome to another episode of Professors at Work. I'm Rami Khoury, your host at the American University of Beirut, where every week we talk with a research scholar or faculty member or visiting a professor about the research they're doing, what they're discovering, and what it means for the rest of us. We have a particularly timely and uh, slightly different than normal topic today with Professor Daniel Reitsche, who is associate professor and uh, tenured associate professor of uh, international politics at the American University of Beirut. And he is on a leave of absence for a couple of years where he is associate uh, visiting associate professor at Georgetown University in Qatar, where he is doing some research on uh, sports-related World Cup issues, which he will tell us about. Uh, Daniel, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Rami. Uh, you've been working on sports and politics and society and identity and global interaction issues for many years, ever since I've known you when you came to AUB. And you're now at the level of looking at World Cup-related issues. So tell us, what is it exactly you are looking at in the research project that you're directing in Qatar? And uh, what caused you to pick this topic uh, to look at? Yeah, my interest in sports, studying sports, uh, I developed when joining AUB in 2008. So all my degree work has been on energy and environmental policy. But I found it interesting in Lebanon that all the major sports clubs in football and basketball, men's football, men's basketball, were associated to specific religions and parties. So the first uh, scholarly article I ever published on sport was uh, titled uh, War Minus the Shooting, the Politics of Sport in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And um, over the years, I published on many different issues. And now in Qatar, I'm leading a research initiative on the World Cup, which studies the social, political and economic impact of the World Cup on Qatar. Okay, only on Qatar you're looking at, not the region. We are looking on uh, particularly the impact on Qatar, but also uh, this does not only apply to domestic politics in Qatar, but also its relations uh, on the regional and international level. Uh -huh. And you're doing this uh, through what kind of uh, research? Basically, you interview people, you look at uh, statistics. You, how do you do this kind of research? Yeah, so it started at a, as a web-based research initiative. Uh, I think Georgetown and the Center for International and Regional Studies at Georgetown University, Qatar, they had developed their first um, web-based project when actually COVID started. Uh, so they had like um, webinars and, and, and blogs and, and expert uh, contributions on their website. So mm -hmm. building that, we developed like the second uh research-based initiative, which uh, we called Building a Legacy FIFA World Cup 2022. Mm -hmm. And it started with a uh, lecture series, which all the seven lectures so far have been online. And you can find all the lectures online on the project webpage. And we mm -hmm. uh, initiate a blog. So there are so far uh, more than 20 contributions on different aspects uh, Uh, of the World Cup on the blog. Also, for example, from an AUB uh, colleague, Hilai Hashan, Professor Hilai Hashan, he discussed in the blog whether the end of the blockade uh, of Qatar, uh, how it was influenced by uh, the US elections. And we have a podcast series. So we also have a podcast, which is on mm -hmm. all podcast platforms available. It's called FIFA World Cup 2022. Right. And now we have also established a working group 
that you know takes more a traditional scholarly approach and uh, aims to uh, publish an edited volume and asking one specific research question is the world cup contributing to a development that Qatar is moving from the peripolitics mm. and um, this research project brings scholars from uh, different institutions in Qatar as well as around the region around the world yes so we have uh, you know there are different uh, um, uh, universities in education city and so we have colleagues from Georgetown University, Qatar, and Northwestern University, which I think you know well because they are mm -hmm. journalism, mm -hmm. uh, but, but also from uh, um, from other campuses and from Qatar University, which is a wow. public university in the country. And then we have uh, scholars from all over the region and from the U.S. So we just had the first working group meeting and we had uh, 16 uh, scholars being present, I think around Uh, ten of them from from Qatar and six from all over the world. Oh, wonderful! So, what's what are your preliminary findings so far as you start this research? Yeah, I think this statement on how did the World Cup impact Qatar? Because I think one needs to look at the matter issue by issue, and in some mm -hmm. fields there has been like uh, strong influence, and others, uh, you know, there is not much changing i think the uh, largest impact of the world cup has been on uh, migrant worker rights on the living and working conditions of mm -hmm. um, the migrant workers there has been in the last two years a firework of policy reforms qatar was the first country in the gulf to establish a minimum wage uh, it dismantled the kafala system so workers don't need approval by their employer anymore to switch jobs or to leave the country Mm -hmm. And this summer, I think this has been a very important reform to extend the hours uh, in summer where uh, outside work is not permitted. It's now from 10 to 3.30, 10 a.m. in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon from mm -hmm. June until mid of September. So there has been a firework of reforms and uh, now it's about proper implementation and the government, the government is doing a lot of inspections. Many companies have been fined. And, you know, unfortunately, like international media mainly focusing on, on cases where the laws are not properly implemented. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. overall, a lot of change has happened and uh, the life of hundreds of thousands of workers has been improved. The International Labour Organization says that uh, more than 200,000 workers uh, uh, benefited right away from uh, uh, higher wages. And uh, there were also... Uh, a large number of workers which has already switched uh, jobs. So I think it works. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, of course, it's about uh, continuing to monitor a proper implementation. So migrant worker rights, I think this is a big plus and there are big changes. There are other areas, for example, women's rights, where at least on the legal level, we don't see much changes. But if we look on the other hand at the lived experiences, we see a lot of change. So a majority of the students in Education City is women. I have in every class very bright female students, very bright Qatari female students. But now, mm -hmm. you know, also there is a um, challenge to, to have legal changes, particularly when it comes to, to the guardianship system, which uh, uh, is uh, limiting the rights of women until their mid-20s. Right. And the uh, fascinating thing, I've watched this uh, 
closely, but I'm going, coming and going to Qatar regularly for things I do there and uh, and watching it from afar, especially when there was the tensions and uh, the boycott of uh, Qatar and uh, by some of its GCC colleagues, uh, is that despite all of the positive things that you've mentioned, um, there are also constant attacks against Qatar, especially on the labor issue, uh, as you mentioned. So how do you separate ideological-driven um, political positions and attacks, uh, how do you separate that from the, the pure technical uh, side of the impact of something as big as the World Cup? Or can you separate them? Well, as a professor of comparative politics, I would say that the fundamental problem in the global debate is that uh, Qatar is often compared with developed uh, democracies like Germany, Denmark, Norway. And of course, this is not a proper comparison. Qatar needs to be compared with its neighbors. And uh, with all the reforms I've mentioned, Qatar is a pioneer in the region. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the challenge is now that countries such as the UAE and Saudi Arabia would follow the Qatari lead and impl implement similar laws, which has not yet happened. So I think that's a problem. What do you compare with each other? Mm -hmm. And, of course, international human rights organizations have done a great job in highlighting uh, pressing issues in Qatar. And when Qatar was awarded the World Cup in December 2010, I think, um, you know, uh, the situation of the migrant workers has not been great. Um, but uh, a combination of external pressures and those within the country who badly want to reform um, many things uh, has led to changes. And I think the changes need to be recognized. If Qatar is only always criticized, it's... Uh, not motivating those in, within the country who are advocates of reforms. Right. Um, let's change the topic a little bit and look internally at the role of sports in society. This is something I know you've done a lot of all over the region and other countries. So if you look at the work of, it's been almost 10 years now that the uh, Qatari government uh, and others in society have worked on preparing for the uh, World Cup, which takes place later this year in November and December. Um, and they've done things like promoting f football uh, among schoolgirls and looking at uh, communities with um, unmet needs and trying to promote the role of young people as agents of change in other countries around the world where there are uh, issues of exclusion or discrimination or poverty or whatever. I mean, these are pretty serious social transformation aspirations that any country can have, especially a small country like uh, Qatar. Is there any way that you can measure the beyond the what you mentioned, uh, uh, the um, labor, uh, and you mentioned the, the woman's status a little bit, but look at community development, community cohesion, uh, sustainable development, environmental issues. Is there a direct link that you can link to the game of football or is this is football simply a vehicle that the political authorities are using to try to bring about these changes they'd like to bring about yeah sure i mean we need to differentiate between uh, foreign policy objectives and uh, domestic developments when it comes to foreign policy we need to relate this to the entire discussion on small state foreign policy and mm -hmm. the main challenge for small states in global affairs is to become visible. And small states need to develop a niche, which helps them to become visible, to be on the map. 
And mm -hmm. uh, Qatar has chosen sport. I mean, there are other countries who have chosen tourism or uh, 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 hosting the finance sector or humanitarian aid. But this is Qatar's niche, uh, sport, right. to be visible and to have influence in global affairs. And I think this worked pretty well. When it comes to domestic developments, um, so the leadership of the country is really serious about sports. So Qatar is one of the few countries in the world that um, uh, initiated a national public holiday dedicated to sports. So there's a national sports day uh, mm -hmm. every year in, in February. And it was awesome when I witnessed it this year all over Doha. There were sporting events and it was a Tuesday, so no work. I was also pleased to see that on the construction sites, um, nothing was going on. Uh, so the, the leadership is really serious about uh, sports. Certainly, the challenge is more uh, cultural. So there are cultural obstacles because, you know, many families are uh, hesitant to allow their girls to practice certain sports. So as mm -hmm. I always say, you can change the infrastructure overnight, but not a culture. This takes time. Mm -hmm. but, but the leadership of the country is really serious about uh, promoting sports. And just recently, the COO of Qatar Foundation, Sheikha Hind, completed her first triathlon, which I believe also confirms what I just said. Wow. Um, what about the issue of uh, science and technology? I know that the uh, people running the World Cup effort in Qatar have uh, developed certain projects that try to promote uh, entrepreneurs and, you know, creative engineering and scientific discoveries and applications that make people's life easier. Uh, have you been able to see any impact on this side of life, especially with the many, many bright young people all around the Arab world who have been brought into this regional effort that Qatar has tried to promote through its World Cup uh, uh, hosting, to, to promote uh, bright young minds creating, inventing new things and making life better for people. Is there any evidence that that's happening? Yeah, certainly. I mean, Qatar tries to move from a hydrocarbon dependent uh, Uh, industry towards a diversified uh, country and economy. And uh, step one was to, to generate uh, uh, as much uh, revenue as possible from selling LNG gas. So Qatar is mainly about gas and not oil. And then step two was to, to invest in infrastructure, uh, mm -hmm. which has happened. And step three, of course, is that, you know, uh, a dividend is happening that foreign companies would, would come and invest here, etc. So I think we are somewhere between step two and three. And uh, I, I believe it's quite unique in the region, Education City, uh, which has developed uh, uh, the following concept. So Qatar Foundation did not invite Georgetown University or Northwestern University as a whole. So they just picked what is considered to be the best part of that university. So they invited from Northwestern, the School of Journalism. They invited from Georgetown, the School of Foreign Service. They invited from Cornell Medicine and so on. So it's yeah. like the best of the best. That's the concept of uh, um, education city. But we should also highlight all the changes that have taken place uh, uh, in the education system. And um, uh, so uh, remarkable developments have taken place. And Uh, we should also highlight the fact that uh, boys and girls, uh, women and men are uh, taught uh, in the same classroom in education uh, city. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, this is also part of uh, um, 
uh, moving forward to, to, to end the gender se segregation that has been uh, common uh, and is still yeah. common in the public university. So, uh, and, 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 and foreign ownership of companies uh, has been uh, allowed recently. Uh, so, uh, one can get a permanent residence when one uh, uh, invests in property in Qatar. So, a lot is changing. And we should also mention that Qatar has so, so much gas left. So they are not uh -huh. under to do these changes now, but they start yeah. really early with uh, the diversification process. And I think they do really well, do really well when we compare it uh, uh, with other countries. Mm. If we step back a bit and go back to the issue of the uh, of the regional boycott that happened when some GCC countries boycotted the Qatar and laid uh, blockaded it, etc., and then then they gave up after a couple of years and um, um, they were back on normal relations. That process, when it happened, I remember, triggered a huge effort inside Qatar to rely more on its own resources, its own uh, manufacturing and its own people, etc. Um, looking back in retrospect now, do you see the World Cup uh, effort, the preparations and the long-lasting impact that the World Cup effort is trying to have in Qatar? Has that effort uh, been uh, influenced by the experience of the blockade where people are saying, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we've got to prepare our people and our resources and our economy so that it is sustainable. Yeah, I mean, since Qatar has been awarded the World Cup, uh, they had to overcome so many challenges. I don't know whether there's ever been a World Cup host that had to overcome so many challenges. Mm -hmm. So first of all, the pressure for domestic reforms, particularly on migrant workers' rights. Mm -hmm. Then... Uh, in 2014, uh, some major countries uh, from the region withdraw their ambassadors. From 2017 until uh, June 2017 until January 2021, there was a blockade. Now mm -hmm. they had to prepare the World Cup during the pandemic. So they really had to overcome so many challenges. I believe this, that historians will have a dispute whether certain changes happened because of the World Cup or because of the blockade. Uh, because mm -hmm. the blockade, I believe, speed up many developments, particularly to become more um, uh, uh, independent and to uh, rely less on uh, food imports. So uh, we see now so many products in the super supermarket which have the stamp made in Qatar. Uh, the, the milk I buy, the yogurt I buy, um, many fruits and vegetables, um, so um, this is really remarkable what has been accomplished within a short period uh, of time. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, we're almost run out of time. We have time for one more question. I, I remember from the 1970s when I was in the early years of my career and the big oil uh, price increases that happened, and then there was massive uh, uh, change started to happen on a big scale because there was a lot of money all over the Arab region. And people were concerned that fast change driven by a lot of money can really hurt a society in some areas while it benefits a society in others. And a small country like Qatar um, being pushed to, to do amazing things like the World Cup and other things, do you see any uh, danger signs um, or, or red flags in that maybe change is happening f so fast that it might have a negative impact. Are there any warning signs that come out of the process of change that is happening now, both on a large scale and at a fast pace? 
No, I mean, the conversation you're rightfully referring to led to the establishment of sovereign wealth funds. So a lot of the income that uh, Qatar is generating is uh, put into Qatar Investment Authority and uh, is invested by a Qatar Investment Authority. For example, I'm uh, of German origin and uh, the world's uh, largest car manufacturer, Volkswagen, is located in my home state of Lower Saxony in Germany mm -hmm. and uh, Qatar uh, has a share in that company. And mm -hmm. Qatar has a share in many companies, not only in Germany, in England, in the US, all over the world, also mm -hmm. in Asia. So this, this money is wisely invested. Also in sports, by the way, by buying Paris Saint-Germain, the football club. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a good investment or mainly uh, serves branding purposes is a question for another conversation. But mm -hmm. no, the money is, is well invested and, and, Qatar is is ready for the future, and even if one day uh, there is no oil and gas left, uh, the country will be still wealthy because it has uh, um, invested so well uh, its um, uh, 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 revenue surpluses uh, from the hydrocarbon sector. Wow. Um, do you plan to do any research during the World Cup, the actual event, to monitor what's going on and try to do real-time research? That would be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm not just a, a sports scholar, but also a sports fan, and I I'm happily can happily report that in the lottery I was uh, lucky and got tickets for all the Germany matches. So mm. I really look forward to that. Um, but I certainly will continue uh, uh, researching the impact of the World Cup on Qatar and our research initiative. And um, we are planning an edited volume that's being published uh, next year as a year afterwards. Who knows? Academia is slow. Uh, that is looking uh, at, uh, that's a project title, Qatar's World Cup Goals, moving from the periphery to the center. Okay. Well, we've run out of time. There's a lot of things going on, and uh, you're, uh, you're in a fortunate position there to be in uh, Qatar as an associate uh, visiting professor at Georgetown University on leave from your tenured position of associate professor of comparative politics at the American University of Beirut. Daniel Reichs, I thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Rami. Thank you very much. You bet. And that's our podcast for today. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Join us again next week for another episode of Professors at Work. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.